The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Right, you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Rayola Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. I apologize, I've been away. Um, I think I missed last week for sure. Uh, you know, but things just happen. Sometimes we're busy and we got to take care of some things. And But we do want to keep our priorities uh, in place. And, and I'm here back in the studio. And I'm so glad to be here because, of course, I always want to talk about what matters because I'm living like it matters, and what matters to me is I have a dear friend in the studio with me today, and it's really an honor. And this is probably going to be one of the better shows that I've ever done. It's probably going to be one of the more informative shows that I've ever done. And so for those of you who are out there, if you got a, a, a press record, then I think you should press record. If you don't have a press record, that's okay, because it's available on demand. Anytime you want to listen to it, anytime, anyplace, on any device, Voice America Sports, and of course, this show is Rayola Sports. So what matters to me? Parents and players. I'm blessed to have a friend that has not only been a player, you know, an athlete in him in his life, you know, uh, but also is a parent of a great ball player. And uh, I don't use that word loosely. I use that word because I've assessed the, the talent of the kid, and uh, and I see greatness uh, to come. So anyway, uh, it does me a great honor and great pleasure uh, to introduce to some of you and. Uh, and to say hello to uh, friends out there who I'm sure you know this man sitting across from me. And, of course, that is uh, Louis Allen. I like to call him Louis instead of Louis. So, Louis, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Man, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you what, man. I, I, and I, I got to set this up. I got to tell people, you know, how this really came about. Because for me, it, it was you, you just don't know what you mean to my life based upon what God has put on me to do uh, for student-athletes. Today and in the future, and and of course, um, and, and those of you who may not know Louis, like like myself, I'm not from Columbus, but I'm from the heart of it all. You know, I'm from the state of Ohio, and he too is from Ohio, and he's from Columbus, Ohio, and 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 played ball with with some of my boys, uh, you know, Duncan and and Raymond at Eastmore, you know, back in the day. So uh, we reached out to each other on Facebook. We've been friends on Facebook. And uh, he has a son that's an outstanding athlete. And, and again, I know greatness when I see it. You know, I first saw it on the football field, and then I saw it on the track. And, and, it, and it's wild. And, and me and Louis like this, so we, we, we could say this. It kind of reminded me, when I saw your son on the track, it reminded me of the OJs back in the day. Because the OJs back in the day, there was a song that came out uh, that the OJs uh, remembered they was listening to. And it was uh, Daryl Hall and John Oates. And OJs was like, man, man, we listened to that, man. And, you know, when we first heard it, you know, we thought it was a, 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 a black guy trying to do a white thing. But it turned out it was a white guy doing a black thing, you know. And, and, but they was giving him respect. 
And that's the same thing, man. You know, Devin, light skin, I'm dark. We ain't got to, you know, we all family, man. And so, man, I looked and I saw, man, I saw this white brother. I, I, well, the first thing I said, I'm like, damn, I ain't seen a white dude run like that since Doug Donnelly. You know, and you know, Doug ran that 6160, oh, yes, you sir. know. And, man, he was blowing the track up. And then I did my research. I said, hold on, man. That's my boy's son. And then I was like, well, why ain't he going to Ohio State? So, you know, so, so listen, Louis Menace, I'm happy to have you here. And, and let's just go back, man. Man, let's go back to Columbus, some days at, at Eastmore, man. You know, you know, great family, the Griffins. But, but, but Eastmore, man, was putting out good product back then. You obviously played on those teams at Eastmore. You know, how did it feel, man, being a part of a, of a program like Eastmore? Because y'all, y'all got good ball back there, man. I don't know if they've, if they've been able to consistently produce athletes like they were back in the day, but y'all were producing some pretty good athletes back there. They were. They, they produced a lot of really good athletes. You know, I think about just the time that, you know, I was a, a high school uh, athlete myself. Columbus, period. Not just Eastmore, yeah, but, but Columbus. Just Columbus, period. And, you know, having guys like Ray and Duncan Griffin – you know, Archie was uh, a couple of years ahead of me. He played football at Eastmore with my, my older cousin, Herb, and some of the really, really good athletes that have gone have gone there and have come Todd out. Todd Penn came Todd out Penn, of there. Mike Guest. Mike Guest came out. You man, know. you know me and Mike, the Gangas. That's my man, Gangas. Yeah. Me and Gangas, we, we held it. We did t- Before there was a shutdown corner terminology, Right. Mike Guest was, I, I, I would call Mike Guest, the uh, Lester Hayes of college at that time, which became, you know, you know, the, the next thing they saw with Lester in the professional level, I'm going to say is maybe Dion. So Prime was, you know, the offshoot of Lester. But my guess had that personality, you know, that confidence that nobody had ever seen before at that college level. Mike was a bold, bad brother playing cornerback. Oh, yeah, and he could play. He, he could was play. a player. He oh, could yeah. play, no doubt. He, he, he really could play. And as a matter of fact, it's interesting you say that because my perspective, personal perspective is the reason why Pete Carroll could handle Richard Sherman like nobody else could is because Pete went back in, in his archive and he remembers his experience with Mike Guest because Mike did not make it easy with Pete when Pete first came to Ohio State. And some people may not realize it, that sophomore year, my, well, my, that was my junior year, which was Pete. Pete only spent one year at Ohio State. We were 11-0 that year and lost to USC in that Rose Bowl. Right. But when Pete came in, Mike Guest personality-wise was like no athlete he, he had ever seen. You know, and so, you know, Richard Sherman's got that big personality. Um, and and that, but Pete had already been prepared for that. But so so coming up in Columbus back in the day, man, y'all had good ball players. So obviously, it was a lot of competition back there in Columbus. Oh yeah, it was a lot of competition. It wasn't a whole lot of me me me. You know, as a lot of the athletes kind of do now, they really worked hard as a team. Didn't didn't take losing easily. You know, I, I look at some of the players now, and I just it's almost like they don't even really care past you know a play or two plays or whatever, as long as they're getting the ball, they're okay. So to come up in that kind of era, see all the the hard work, the discipline, you know, it was great, man. Like you're talking about Mike Guest, I I chuckle to myself because I think of his personality. That was his personality, Mm. football or not. Mike had a great personality. He was a good dude. And And uh, Mike, see, and you know know what I love about Mike Guest is my guest like Richard Sherman? Now, I don't know the story of Richard Sherman's people, his family, his mom, his dad. But 
People who don't know Richard Sherman might have thought he was just a buffoon, well-educated man, and shut him down. My guest came from a solid foundation of educators. So people might have thought, again, a buffoon, just an, an asshole, as some people might say. But right. my guest was a solid person, but he just had a different kind of personality, and it was a big one. And But, but the thing about it is you got to have coaches that know how to handle those type of personalities. Right, and, you know, talking about that is, as I was thinking about, you know, Coach Stewart, who was the football coach there at the time, he wouldn't have put up for that for none of that nonsense. The kid's going to play hard. He's going to work hard. He's going to do his schoolwork. Uh, Mike Boren, that played at the school up north, mm-hmm. I'm not even going to say their name, <laughs> whose, son, whose sons ended up playing at, at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. You know, he's an Eastmore, Eastmore alum. I mean, there's so many guys. I can't even remember them. Yeah, no, no Columbus was a hotbed for, for athletes. And, and they were producing them on both the, on the, on the court and, and on the football field. And, and many times you, you don't find your best athletes in the city of which the school happens to be. But one thing, Eastmore could carry the flag of producing the first and only ever two-time Heisman Trophy winner with Archie Griffin. Yes, so, sir. So, you know, Columbus is a spot where, you know, when you look at Ohio, which is the heart of it all, and it's got to be near and dear to your heart. And, and the reason why I'm saying this because let me go back in case some of you don't know. Uh, the gentleman in the, in the studio with me today, uh, formerly uh, Lewis Allen, is, is the father of Devin Allen, who is uh, a wide receiver at the University of Oregon and, and who is an All-American in track already and record setter, if I'm correct, record setter already in track and, 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 and starting on the football team who did not get a chance. Uh, man, I don't mean to be, you know, we, we family. Man, I, I really do think I know he would have made some plays in the game. I'm hoping and praying it would have made the difference in the outcome, but I know he'd have made some plays in the game. And uh, it's one of those things where you're going to uh, see in the future. You've already seen in the past. Anybody who's watching Oregon, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, but this man sitting in front of me, Louis, man, tell me how did that all through the year is great. You, you, you're not torn about anything, man. You could support Oregon and, and look back at the Buckeyes and you are. And then you see that track. You see what track they own, man, and one coming from this way and one coming from the other way, and, you, and you're looking at it, and I know you're thinking, oh, man, and, and you're thinking, oh, man, and then all you think, oh, man, it, it, it happened. I know you were tied up emotionally because Devin had got hurt, you know, and so I know that's where your heart was. So uh, let, let me ask you, and we, we probably going to skip this break. I don't even know if we're going to have a break the entire show, uh, but... How did as the season went on, and I'm I'm really jumping ahead. Uh, yes, we're skipping this break. So, I when the season went on, and he's producing so well, and the team is doing so well. As a parent, how how did you feel emotionally when your son was unable to play in this game? Which I, I know you would have loved to have him play. I, I would have loved to have him play, to see him play in the game. Knowing you, you know, communicating with you, seeing the success he had, because I just like great football games. And I, wa- I, want, I want everybody's best players to be there, you know. But emotionally, how was it for you, man? I, I know you had to first, you know, your first concern was your son. So how, how did you feel? Were you at the game when he got hurt? Uh, yeah, I was at the Rose Bowl game, and we were just uh – Really gotten our seats good, and I knew that Devin was going to return, was going to be the returner on the kickoff, and I saw him uh, spin, 
spin from the pile, and I saw the whole sideline. So I'm thinking in my mind, he's going to score. He's going to score a touchdown. Then all of a sudden, he wasn't. He didn't come out of the pile. So I was kind of confused and didn't know what was going on. Well, I turned my phone off, so the trainers and other people were trying to contact me. So then finally when I turned my phone on, Devin had called me, uh, texted me from the locker room, says, Dad, I'm going to be okay, um, but I think it's my ACL. So I was kind of concer- obviously concerned and just at, at what level. The thing that really kind of threw me off was is that they didn't, they didn't help him off the, the field. He got up and he limped off the field. So I figured it couldn't be anything, it couldn't be something real severe. And it wasn't until he texted me that I realized that it was. Yeah, and, and that's what's really, um, you know, for me as a parent, th- those are the things that I, I think that separates parents from fans and I, I you know I've got some some notes and I usually don't take notes but there's some things that I, I wanted to ask you because this is a, this is a special moment for me man thank you so much um, I'm not sure that parents understand I mean that fans understand right now we're talking about parents and players even though you're a fan of the team and of the school you're a parent of a son how comfortable or how uncomfortable were you once you found out that your son was injured? Did you do you remember that man for the rest of the game? My stomach was tight, or 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 I had a headache, or or I couldn't concentrate. Were, were you did 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 everything change from you from coming to the game, being excited about you know winning the game, playing in the Rose Bowl, to now my son is injured? There there were times during the game that I have to be honest with you that my mind did drift drift to that. But um, I was sitting amongst all the other parents and families, and you know we're like we're like family. So to see other kids uh, do well in the game, to see us make plays as a team, honestly gave me a period of time in which I didn't worry about it so much. I think my biggest um, my biggest worry was is when I saw him after the game, and he they had his leg wrapped up and had him in crutches. And he came out and talked to us. Wow. And, you know, I just told him, hey, man, everything's going to be okay. And he's conf- he said he was confident that everything was going to be okay. We talked for about an hour or two, and then they had to get on the bus and get back to the airport. Now, did he, uh, you know, once he was hurt, uh, that was, that was like, was that the first that kickoff? That was the kickoff. That was kickoff. Yeah, that was the you know, kind first of a, play of kind the game. Of a, kind of a Ted Ginn moment, if you will. It was. You know? It and, definitely was. And, and so I'm sure, again, being a Buckeye, you remember, oh, man, something like this happened to Ted Ginn, you know, when yeah. they played in the National Championship game. Um, so so it's the first play of the game. Does he not come back uh, prior to the game and on the sidelines, on his crutches, or has he stayed in the locker room the whole time? No, he, he came back out. There, there was a period of time that he came back out, and um, he was there. You know, um, as it got later in the day, it got a little cooler. <laughs> Excuse me. And he had, a, you know, he just had a, some of his clothes on, so he was cold. But, um, you know, one of the things he did was is uh, one of his teammates, I think, it, I don't know if it was Marcus or one of the one of the other quarterbacks, but I know that um, when they were handing out the, the T-shirts and stuff, he asked him to make sure you get my dad a T-shirt. Oh wow! So, wow! Yeah, yeah. So that, got, that, 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 that's such a beautiful thing. You know, sometimes again, it's there's a difference, and I, I just really want everybody to understand that a parent is so much different than the other fans. We're fans, but when you sit up in those stands, 
and those young men out on that field, you know, you got other family members of, of, of the team that are there, and then you got your family members. Uh, but when it's your son out there on the field, it just makes it so much different. It's, it's, it's so, it's, it's, it's different as it is, as being special. It's also so much different whenever there's, you know, some type of accident or some type of injury. And I, and I just want people to kind of understand that because most people that listen to this show and every show, you know, adults um, that are mature enough, my age, your age, you know, to have children, your children are special to you and you want them to play this game and you want them to be safe. And, you know, you hear so much about concussions, but there are other injuries out there, too, that, that could be traffic. Uh, it'd be a travesty to your son, and and thank God this is an ACL. And so let's talk about Devin coming back right now in terms of his progress of his rehabilitation. How's he doing? Well, I've talked to him. I I talk to him probably a couple of times a week, and uh, text him from time to time. Rehab is going really well. I think the first couple of weeks that he was rehabbing it was really kind of tough. I know he had some tough days, but um. You know, we always talk about perseverance, which I know is a word that oh, you yes. that you understand. Yes. And the fact that, you know, he could, he's going to get through it. The thing that I th- really think that's going to help Devin in the whole process is the fact that he's a student of a lot of different things. And one of the things he's a student of is he's learned about the surgery before the surgery happened, mm-hmm. the process, how it works, what needs to happen, all of these kind of things. So before he had the surgery, he spent 25 minutes explaining to me step-by-step what was going to happen, why it was going to happen, and, and, and that kind of thing. So having the mental capacity to understand it and to know what the process is, is uh, I think was really important for him and for me, me both. Yeah, that, that, that mental toughness is, is something that uh, you know, great players have because – there are going to be times you're going to be faced with adversity, whether it's injury or, or whether it's the game, you know, itself. You know, I, 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 the other day I was listening and uh, watching uh, point guard, former point guard from Ohio State now, slipping my mind, um, uh, Conley. Yeah, Conley. And uh, I was watching Conley in an interview, and, and he talked about how his team was resilient. And he talked about the fact that they've been in situations where they've been down, but this is a team that they never feel like they're out of the game. And so basically that's that's a mental toughness and an understanding because, again, like you said, Devin's red. The history is they've been there. They've experienced a being down, but knowing that you can come back. And so, you know, I, I, I certainly think that, you know, Devin uh, – you know, having this injury is just going to add to his mental toughness because now he's being faced with something that perhaps maybe has he ever been injured before when he had to miss games? You know what? He, he actually last year as a freshman, um, he was uh, progressing really well, and I actually thought he was going to play in the Tennessee game. Well, a couple of days before that, he was having some issues with his wrist, and, and so they x-rayed it and found out that he had broke the scapoid bone in his wrist. So you had to have wrist surgery. So as a defensive player, you know you could have played. You you would have played with it. Mm-hmm. But as a receiver, obviously you need your hands. And so his freshman year, he had uh, that injury, and that was the first real real football injury that he had. Mm. So that was kind of tough for him. But he recovered and recuperated, and and was able to um, you know dress for the last three or four games, along with you know being being there for the. Uh, for the uh, the bowl game that mm-hmm. they had mm-hmm. in uh, in in what was it Texas or somewhere yeah. I can't remember yeah. where right. it was Fiesta yeah. no it wasn't Fiesta Bowl but it was one of the 
bowl games. Yeah, so that so he's actually had an opportunity to play in in, in uh, one bowl game and didn't get a chance, but he obviously got a chance to travel. But th- that's one thing about it, you know, play people again. The average person who is a student, uh, who's not a student athlete, uh, these are circumstances that they don't have to deal with, and that's something else that that parents, um, that are parents of athletes, they have to themselves too. Because when your child is hurt or injured, you're hurt and injured too, because you go through that with your child and you, and you try to support them. The average person going to school who is not a student athlete. Uh, they're probably going to have a headache. They're probably going to have a stomach ache. They might have a fever. They may get the flu, those type of things. But they're not having surgeries. You know, they're not trying to come back from surgeries to get back on the field. And, and, and again, those are circumstances that are unique to athletics that, again, the average person who does not go through that doesn't really understand. And that's why I've just always been an advocate for there is a u- unique set of of support systems that need to be in place to support student athletes. Because again, there's different things you have. I mean, let's just go psychologically. You know, that's gotta be somewhat depressing. I know if I would have had, cause I did dislocate my shoulder. And in fact, I missed my sophomore year. Uh, I was blessed. I was starting my sophomore year. Um, I missed half the season, including the Michigan, the first Michigan game I would ever started in at home. I missed it because of a dislocated shoulder. Now, you know, mentally, for some people, some people are fragile and, and that depression could set in and then, you, you know, things happen, you know, but, but student athletes have to be mentally strong and, and they have to understand the fact that this is just something that you're going through. These kind of things happen, but, but you've got to fight your way back. And you've got to get back on that field and hopefully come back even stronger. So uh, we, we hope that's what's going to happen with, with Devin, that, he, that he, he recovers from this injury and he comes back uh, a little bit stronger. But I want to move from that uh, part and talking about the injury, the injury. And, you know, I just want to talk about a couple things, uh, if you will, uh, Louis. There's, there's a couple things, man, that I, I think about uh, when I think about uh, a father raising a son. Uh, who becomes this athlete that's in demand from colleges and universities all over the country. Um, there are some parents out there who are going through this for the first time in their life because there's very few families in the, in the country where you, you know, you're able to be blessed with multiple Division I recruits. Right. The recruiting process for your son, um, when, did they first, when did you first realize you had a special kid that there's a chance that one day somebody may come knocking on the door asking my son to come to the university. When did you first see this unique talent? Because you've been around it before, you know, so you've probably seen it. You're a good athlete yourself. But when did you notice this, this talent, this exceptional talent in your son? Well, I think it goes back to when uh, Devin was a sophomore in high school. And um, there were times that... Um, and he went to uh, he went to Brophy Prep mm-hmm. in downtown Phoenix, and there were times that him and his quarterback they would they'd have a full practice, you know, hundred and ten degrees in Phoenix, Arizona, and they would spend another thirty thirty five forty minutes catching and throwing the ball, and I can remember that uh, I would say, "Hey man, come on, we got to go. Come on, Dad, five more reps. Need five more reps," and he worked on doing everything he could to, you know, to uh, develop his skills. And I knew at that point, I said, you know what, it's, it's not just 
for Friday night. He's got a bigger dream. He's got bigger goals. And so we talked about those things. We talked about the fact that with success, there's going to be people that you expect for them to be uh, be nice to you and be happy for you. And there's going to be some people that aren't going to be. And to make and the fact is is that you're going to have to, you know, you want to share the gifts. God gives us all gifts, and you want to make sure that we share those gifts and we work hard. We work hard to to you know refine those refine those skills. Now that that, that sophomore year, and again, I um, you know being through some of this myself, that sophomore year is extremely important because what I always tell people, and I don't know how I did this, but it was one of those things where I realized that if you're getting a chance to play at a sophomore, there are obviously seniors on your team. Um, and if you're starting and you're playing against some seniors, those seniors go to college, and some of those seniors that go to college, they get to play in college as freshmen. So you kind of start thinking in your mind, whoa, I was playing against that guy in high school, and now he's starting in college. So then that might be the time where Devin might think maybe he could play in college. Was he thinking like that, that he perhaps maybe could play in college based upon the performance that he had his sophomore year? Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny that you mention that because what I did with Devin is we sat down and I said, I want you to give me a list of your top 30 schools, the ones that you feel that are your your dream schools, the ones you feel are the ones that— And not your— Right, not, not mine. Your th- not just mine, <laughs> but his. Oh, not just yours. Not <laughs> just mine, but his. And then to make sure that he, we did a list of it and we—, we Tick, tick off from time to time to uh, talk about why they were, he was interested in that kind of thing. I think the crazy thing for me is is the uh, probably about midway through a sophomore year is getting going to the mailbox and there being all this literature from these colleges all over the country. And my thing was is he had originally talked about being an engineer because that's my background. And um, so I was like, oh, you know, maybe he'll get a scholarship offered to Purdue or -hmm. somewhere like that where they have, you know, where they have excellent engineering schools. Mm -hmm. Well, then he started getting, you know, scholarship, uh, you know, informational um, brochures and stuff from, you know, colleges from all over the country. And, and, you know, I think that a lot of times when you see that happening, uh, sometimes, you know, because you've experienced it, sometimes – there's something to it, and then sometimes you think you're just on a mailing list, but then you know because you're watching your son, and you know that, whoa, man, you know, these, this is some serious stuff here. Right. So uh, how about mom? How was mom feeling when these things were happening? Because, you know, sometimes mothers are a little bit different than, than dads. Well, you know, at the time, to be, be totally honest with you, by that time it, it wasn't, uh, she wasn't in our in, in the family okay. every day. Okay, okay, So we had, we had split up and gotten a divorce, and yeah. it was, you know, me and Devin and his, his twin sister, Carissa. Okay, and so so the sisters, you know, the sisters watching brothers go through this, you know, family members, siblings. I, any sibling rivalry there, athletes you, you know, know, on, in the family as well? No, there, there's no, um, no rivalry at all. As a matter of fact, um, Carissa's probably Devin's biggest fan, uh, over even over Dad. Um, she... She would be so excited when she says, "Oh, Dad, uh, you know, such and such from such and such state is coming over to coming tomorrow to visit." And you know, she's there and she's listening and she's excited, and it just was really a really good experience for her too. Well, that that that's special because, as you know, I don't have to tell you, but those people out there, I, I'm not sure that they all realize that when when a when a player has an opportunity to have an experience like this, it, it's something that he automatically gets to share. 
and has the opportunity to share. And, and those special ones, they share with their families. And, and that's how you create that bond. So so I'm glad to hear that part of it. We're going to continue to tell this story because it's a unique story. I think it's, it's, it's a great one. I think you all should tune in and listen to it because at some point in time in your life, it's going to happen to you. It may not be your child. It may be your, it may be your nephew, maybe your brother, your sister, your cousin. But there's going to be a parent-player relationship. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Parents and players, that's what matters to me. That's what we're talking about today because I'm sitting in the studio with a parent of a great athlete from the University of Oregon. That's right, the Oregon Ducks who played against the Ohio State Buckeyes in the National Championship game. Great game. Uh, my good friend uh, Louis Allen is here. His son, Devin Allen, wide receiver for the Oregon Ducks, did not get a chance to participate in the game. Uh, I think it could have had an effect on the outcome of the game. I'm still hoping and praying that if it did, that we'd have won. But we we know how that game turned out. But I'm I'm still rooting for that young man. And, and I'm rooting for all those people who are parents of athletes because it's something special. It's unique. And it's one of those things that there are some good parents out there that sometimes you should listen to their experiences because they probably can help you with your son or with your daughter because it is a unique experience. I don't care what anybody tells you. If you've never had the opportunity to have a, uh, a, a very close relationship uh, with a student athlete, you, you would not understand uh, what it's like um, to be a student athlete because it is a unique 
you know, set of circumstances that they're faced with, but they're asked to do everything that every other student is asked to do, but then they're asked to do something else, you know, pretty special. And when you are an elite athlete, uh, then there's even more demands on your life and, uh, you know, and expectations for you to contribute to society. So let's speak about, let's, let's talk a little bit about that, Louis. You know, you got a son who is, um, you know, a great athlete and, 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 and in your case, you know, a great student. Um, what are some of the expectations that, that you maybe noticed uh, that were expected from him you know, on the football field that also then they were looking for him to contribute in, in some aspect um, in society, whether it was just good citizenship or whether it was some type of role model or whatever. But uh, when did you start seeing these things in your son? Either he was displaying these things or that they were required of him, you know, to, to be this special kind of person and represent this school and, and represent uh, something other than than football because athletes are called to be role models sometimes and people don't even know what's going on in their lives. But when did you notice that? Well, you know, it's, it's funny that you mention that because before we moved here from uh, uh, Seattle, Washington is where we actually moved to Arizona from is that um, I was involved with uh, employee, an employee involvement program. And so we as a family would do uh, different volunteer activities, uh, Christmas, uh, Christmas gift drives, uh, Thanksgiving food drives, those kind of things. And so one of the things that I asked my children to do uh, one of, uh, from as far back as I can remember is to, is to relinquish one of their gifts for Christmas and give it to somebody else that, that doesn't, um, wouldn't, weren't able to get them. And so the first thing I would think is that the kids would take the maybe the the cheapest gift or they're not maybe not the most fun gift. The one they didn't want. <laughs> the one they didn't really want and give that one away. And the first examples of that were, were is that Devin gave, gave away uh, one of the little Game Boy um, oh, wow. game, oh, yeah. game control things. Yes. And, and he relinquished that. And I was like, wow, this kid, was big. This, this kid gets it at, at, at a young age. Wow. So we, we, we did that. And then there were, you know, some activities that we, even now, if we can, we do, uh, vol- do some volunteer stuff with the YMCA and and the other different organizations. Well, with um, us deciding on sending Devin to Brophy, one of the things that attracted me to Brophy was is was their mantra, which is uh, men for others. And basically, that's bringing, you know, the young men into the community, doing all, all, all kind of different activities. So they there were always activities that they did in the community. There were work with the St. Mary's Food Bank and some of the other local agencies. So in doing that, um, just the fact that he did those things when he didn't, when he wasn't obligated to do them. Yeah, and that, that, that's something that I always like to see in young men because I, I don't think I'm a little different about everybody. I, I just don't think because a person's on television that makes them a role model. That person's on television and people, will, in my opinion, watching that person to see the talent that they have displayed in that game that doesn't mean that that's a great person we don't know how they treat people we don't know how they treat their families we don't know how they treat their friends uh i think that person should have that option you know to to decide that i want to do something for society because society's done so much for me uh i just don't think it's a blanket you know just because you write a check or you receive a check 
that doesn't mean that you're necessarily a role model. And I don't think you should be forced. I think because it's more genuine when it comes from the heart. And they want to do it, you know, they're doing it on their own, you know. And so I, I like to see guys like that. And so, you know, this is a, uh, you know, this is not only a, a, a good athlete, a great athlete, but 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 a great person. So uh, then there's a couple other things, of course, I, I wanted to talk to you about uh, since you were here. And, uh, you know, there, there are so many people out there that treat think that athletes are just, you know, treated um, superior to other people. Um, I, I like to think that the treatment is not superior, but I think the treatment is deserving. And sometimes I think it's, you know, in fact, it falls a little short based upon, you know, what they put in uh, to what they do. Uh, your son, um, as some people like to say, uh, got a free ride. And uh, I want to talk to you about that. When you hear that term free ride. Knowing what your son, the sacrifices that your son has made in his life. Uh, the time and energy that he has put in. Uh, how do you feel when you hear that terminology, free ride, associated with your son's student-athlete experience at the University of Oregon? Well, I have to laugh a little bit when you say that, Ray, for the simple fact that I know going back as, as far as 9 or 10 years old where when Devin has, you know, woke me up at 7 o'clock in the morning to take him over to the local high school track to uh, do some extra wind sprints or do some some extra running or or times that he and I have stood and you didn't outside. ask you didn't ask him and, to do and this and I didn't ask him to do that times that him and I have have uh, that I've thrown him passes and, and that he's you know for hours at a time I mean there was a thing to where as a young kid he would get so mad at me but he wouldn't he wouldn't stop simply because I think it was a he understood that his w- that he needed to do this to get better. And why, and why I say that is, is we used to have this thing to where I threw him 100 passes. And if he dropped one, he'd have to start all over. So there were a couple of times where I'd throw him, throw, we'd be at like 93, Whoa. and his concentration would be off, or I'd throw a pass, intentionally throw it low, or throw it high, or throw it outside, and he would drop it, and then we'd have to start all over again. But the, but the reason behind it, uh, uh, whether people agree with it or not, was is just to give Devin an opportunity to know that he needed to work, work, continue to work hard, and to be as humble as possible, and that things were going to work out for him. So you're saying to me that that, that ride was not free, that that ride was something that he actually earned from the, the time and commitment he put in right. to that opportunity. Right. And, and, and let me ask you something. Do you think the, that the young man, let's talk in particular about, about your son, do you think Devin, you know, thinks that his ride was free, or do you think he understands? No, I, I, I earned this. Oh, I know he knows he earned it, and and I and I, I guess maybe I reiterate that to him at times when he's gotten, I won't say bad press because he really doesn't get bad press, but when people have said, oh, well, you know, he's only reason why he he gets this is because of this. I remind him of those times that he's up running. I remind him of those times when his friend uh, Marco, that was a distance runner at Brophy, would come to our house and say, come on, Devin, let's run. And he'd run. And he said, how far are we going to run? Oh, we're going to run a mile. And then they're running five miles. Mm. And and then he comes back home and they're laughing and, you know, getting water and drinking and eating and understanding that that work is the reason why he's as successful as he is. You know, it's one thing about uh, I, I, when I look at athletes, and I'm, I'm going to ask you this yourself, 
Uh, you look at an athlete, and, and not necessarily when he's on the playing field, but when he's on the playing field, he's identified as great because what he does on that playing field. And he earned the right to be called great because what he did was great compared to what some other people did at the same point in time in their life. But greatness starts before he sits on that field. Were there things that you saw that you can look back and you could see that's how my son earned that scholarship? You just talked about those things there. But was this were there things that other people could see, too, because it was something different? He, he was willing to go further. He was willing to do more than other people were willing to do, because I can think back in every great athlete that I've been around. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I could talk about. Yeah, this was it. Like They talk about Jerry Rice's regiment. That was greatness. You know, uh, I remember watching the movie The Greatest. Um, we had a snowstorm in Ohio State in 1977. I think it was one of the first times the school was ever closed down. Mm -hmm. And over at um, Drake Union, they, oh, yeah. sh they showed The Greatest. Oh, yeah. And I just so happened to be there. And I saw that movie for the first time. Uh, that movie inspired me. When it was time for me to get ready for the draft, uh, I remember when I was running. I remember when I went to Ohio State. There, there, I mean, I'm, when I got drafted by the Eagles, there is a trainer. His name is Ron O'Neill. Ron O'Neill might remember. Ron O'Neill said something to me about it. But I ran and I talked to myself the way Muhammad Ali talked to himself in The Greatest when he would say, you got to run till you can't run no more. You, you know, you just, that, those kind of things. Are there things that, that people, you know, have said to you or things that you've seen, you look back on your son and you, you just mentioned a couple of them where that, that was special. You know, that, that was really, you know, that, you know, he just, he went way beyond what he maybe should have pushed himself, maybe further than he should have pushed himself. But, but you say you did see those things in your son as he was coming up. Oh yeah. I've seen them. I've seen quite a few of them. And it's really funny that you mention that because I have a, a lifelong friend of mine actually from Columbus too, that still lives in Seattle that, um, saw Devin when he first started doing youth sports, I mean, five, six years old. And he just would, he walked up to me and he's like, Lewis, he's you plus some. Wow. We grew up together and he said, I know how good an athlete you were. Devin's twice as, you know, he's twice as good at your age. And and that was, he wasn't even in junior high school no, at that he time. No, was, he was in, what, just in elementary school. And, and Lewis, let me say this. And the reason why I ask is because there there are a lot of people out there that, that talk about, you know, their their kids and, and how special they think their kids are. But you can see special. You can see the exceptional athlete. It's obvious, you know. You know he works, and you don't see that part. But sometimes you might see that athlete like Rocky running through the streets, you know. Right. Muhammad Ali running through the streets. But when they step on that field, that person is kind of heads and shoulders above everybody else right and that that's something special to see so um i'm glad you guys saw that because sometimes um people want to think their kid is good enough but when your kid's good enough it shows everybody right. sees it and and i say that because um and we're going to take a break here uh coming up i say that because particularly with these younger kids these younger generation of this pop warner and this other stuff they they got these aau teams some a lot of parents are out of control. So I'm gonna come back and talk to you about your experience because you got a kid who obviously must have went through that process, and some of these parents aren't getting it. You don't you don't have to really 
I don't think you really have to advocate for your son because his play and talent speaks for itself. And so you don't really have to do that. So if I'm not mistaken, I think we're going to take a break. Uh, and this will be the last break, I think. So uh, why don't we go ahead and take that break now? You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. I'm here with Lewis Allen, the son of Devin Allen from the University of Oregon. And my friend, we'll be right back after this break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. All right, you the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters in the studio with me today. My friend from Columbus, Ohio, uh, played at uh, Eastmore. You know, that's one of them great schools there in, in Columbus that I have tremendous amount of respect for. And, uh, you know, went on and, and finished, uh, you know, his education and moved around the country and, and found himself here. Uh, like I did in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, raised an outstanding young man as well as uh, a couple of the young ladies. Uh, but that special young man is De- Devin Allen, who is a uh, wide receiver at the University of Oregon. Don't think he's going to be there much longer. In fact, after this year, I don't know if he's going to be there. Uh, I, I, I would say take the money and run, you know, uh, but get that education. But I, I would definitely say, uh, you know, take that money and run if that opportunity was to come. But but that opportunity starts when people are young, and I'm going to ask a couple questions and uh, for you folks to tune in and listen. Uh, athletes develop talent when they're very young, and and you see special talent when they're young. That's why I really don't understand why there's so many parents, you know, wondering why their kid's not playing, and you know, why does a coach like his, you know, this kid instead of you know my kid, um, Lewis, your son obviously a special talent. I think talent reveals itself on the field. Uh, what advice could you give the parents out there that think they have a very talented kid uh, and they think for some reason or another their kid is not playing? You obviously, in, of the, this era, this generation of, of, of great athletes, you've raised one. What's been your experience over the years? Did you see that there was any great kids out there that should have been playing that were not playing 
Or do you think unless there's a discipline problem with the kid, do you do you think that the, the talent, the cream of the crop actually does rise? Do you, do you think that's the case? Ray, I definitely agree with that. I, I, I will say this. Um, as being a parent, I feel that you, as a parent, you have to be an advocate for your child. But being a parent and then also being a coach uh, and being a former coach, I understand the balance as a coach trying to make sure that you are teaching kids how to defend themselves, how to play the sport, how to, do, how to, to manage the fundamentals, how to manage their schoolwork, and all these different things. And it's really difficult for a coach to try to manage the talent they have. Also, as a parent, we're around our children more than anybody. So we, at times, if, if we have a knowledge of sports, probably have a good idea on, of what our, our chil- children's skill level is. The reality of it is, is not all of our kids are going to be really great athletes. A lot of kids after youth football, baseball, whatever, high school, junior high school, they don't have any um, desire to, to, to do that or not. You, you said something earlier, Lewis, that I, I want you to, to talk about because I think it's key. And I'm, I'm going to base this again based upon some of my experience. And one thing that I think sets apart that athlete who has a great talent and a great passion from the sport, you said that your son on his own came to you sometimes to go out and work out. He and his friends did their own thing. I, I think that is one, you know, one of those indicators that you've got a special athlete because they take it upon themselves to do some things above and beyond what you might want to do. And I think sometimes because I think there's so many parents that are trying to push their kids to be something that they really don't have the desire to be. So I, I think that's one thing. When you think about those who make it in the game, mom didn't have to tell them to go work out. Dad didn't have to tell them to go work out. Dad and mom didn't have to tell them to get up to go to practice and all those things. They did those things automatically. Would you agree with that or would you, do you feel a little bit different? No, I, I definitely agree with that, Ray. And, and I'm going to step back in time for a minute. The very first time that I went to Ray and Duncan Griffin's house, went there, met his parents, met some of his younger siblings, walked by the station wagon that's sitting right out, outside of their house. Hot summer day in Columbus, windows rolled up. Um, we walked back outside, door opens up out of the station wagon. Archie Griffin, two-time Heisman Award winner. Wow. Plastic all over his body, sweating, just was in the car doing push-ups. Wow. On his own. He was a it was just a freshman at Ohio State then. Wow. So those are the kind of people that the reason why they achieve at a high level is because Mr. Griffin wasn't out there telling Archie that he needed to be in the car doing push-ups. He was telling he was he was allowing his children the opportunity and they utilized their knowledge, skill and ability to figure out what they could do to improve themselves. And I think that's one thing I think parents need to just stop and think about it. It really, it's really common sense because anything and everything that your child wants most of the time when he's a kid, he asks you for it or he gets it if he wants. If, if you've got a, a policy in the house that, son, if it's something you want, get it. If it's something you want to do, you know, do it. If someplace you want to go, ask me. That's the same thing about something he's passionate about. If he's passionate about it, either he's going to or she's going to ask you about it or, or, or they're going to just do it on their own. And I think that's one of those things that parents would just step back and see, wait a second, 
let me just just take this little test because I want to see if I don't ask him or tell him to do this, will he or she do it on their own? And if he or she doesn't do it on their own, then you might you know, want to rethink your motivation for pushing this person because that might not be their desire. That might not be their heart. They might not really be into it. Well, and, well you know, Ray, that's, that's a good point that you make. But at the same time, as, as children, because they are our children, they don't really know what they don't know. So once you as a parent have, has, have introduced them into, you know, using the ladders, you know, using the speed ladders, using cones, doing all these different things, and if they don't want to utilize them, then let it go. But, you know, that's, that's, that's part of it. Too. Yeah, I, I do believe you there. I, I believe you, it's like anything else, you know, it's like riding a bike. When they want to ride the bike, they get on the bike, you get the training wheels, and we help them. And then after a while, hell, if they really want to ride that bike, well, once they've learned how to ride, they'll ride that bike. Yeah, they're looking for your pliers that, to take the training <laughs> wheels that, off, That's right? exactly yeah. right. So I, I just I think it's, it's, it's something as simple as that, really. If it's something they really want to do, I don't think it's any different. I, I had a chance to meet the great Grover Washington. And Grover used to always tell me, you know, we had the same you know attorney that did our, you know, did our work, did our legal stuff for us. And, and Grover said, Ray, you know, I told him, I said, man, Grover, I wish I could play that horn like you play it, you know. And, you know, and I like the bass guitar and, and all those things. He said, Ray, you know, it doesn't surprise me. He said, because uh, I found out that there are a lot of, of athletes that wish they could do what we do. And there's a lot of us that wish we could do what you do. But, but they put in that work. And if it's something they want to do, when Grover wanted to play that horn, his parents didn't have to, you know, stay with him, make him do it. Man, he was playing that horn. Sometimes it's like, will you turn that thing off? You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so it's one of those things that if it's there, it's there. Okay, listen, we only got about two more minutes left for this show. And it's something that I, I just, this is the special part for me that I wanted to do this. And, 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 and Lewis, as you know, I, I've been a part of this Ed O'Bannon NC2A lawsuit. And, and it was one of those things where that actually happened to me here in Arizona where in a kind of an epiphany where I just, everything just, you know, happened in front of me and I, I saw things differently and, and I saw what I felt was some injustice and things like that. And I thought that there should be some change. And at that time, I could, there was, wasn't much I could do. But later in my life, there was things that I could do. And, and, and to the point where, where you are able to speak to your experience, uh, your son uh, got a chance to be on the team that played the national championship game this year. Uh, I know after Ohio State won the game, one of the first, you know, concerns uh, that was brought to the attention was about, you know, parents getting there. Is it my understanding that the parents did get a chance? Did they support at least the financial cost of parents getting there from your experience? Is that something that they did they hold true to what they said they were going to they, do? They did hold true to it. And, you know, they gave us some uh, information on how to go through the process, make sure that we knew that we needed to keep receipts and all those kind of things. And it helped quite a bit. It's funny that you mentioned that because I just spoke to a friend of mine Sunday about it. And I think I went, I did like four trips in five weeks, mm. you know, with the, with the regular season, with the conference championship, with the Pac-12, uh, the Pac-12 championship, with the Rose Bowl game, with the national championship game. Wow. So that, that, and that's pretty expensive. And those, and those things, again, those, and we're going to do another show. We want to talk about all those because, you know, 
the guy who is a senior now, a fifth-year senior, you know, when he signed up back in the day, all those things weren't in place. They didn't have all the playoff system in place. So he, he signed up for maybe 10 or 11 games. He didn't sign up for 12 or 13 games. But uh, I'm, I'm just glad to have you in the studio, Lewis. Thank you so much, man, for coming in, man. I'm going to continue to stay in touch with you. You're going to be a friend of the show. You're going to be on the show more. Okay. We're going to have Devin on the show. We're going to have a great time. This oh, is going yeah. to be a 50-50 show. It's going to be a little bit okay. of Buckeyes, a little bit of Ducks, well, but we're going to have a lot of fun. I, I, Ray, I got to say this, though. I've never cheered against the Busk, Buckeyes except for the one game. Amen. And, and I'm always going to be a Buckeye oh, fan. Oh, man, I, I understand that. You had to do that, but so. we're going to take that other 50% because half of you that day was like, mm, man, just either way, you were going to be a winner. Oh, yeah. Either yeah. way, you're going to be a winner. Yeah. So we thank you so much. Hey, I know we got to go, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. And again, you've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Got my good friend, Lewis Allen, in the studios with me. He's a duck and he's a Buckeye. We appreciate him being on the show. So I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll be right back.